0: And all of a sudden he's, he's starting to come into view and I see the bow come back Yeah. and I'm like, Oh, he got, and there's the bull. And as the bull comes through, I makes a short cow call just to give him a direction. I was like, he, he can't see me behind the brush and I'm right next to this tree and right behind it. And I already just raked the heck out of it. Yep. And he comes running at me.
1: You're listening to the got game university podcast. This podcast puts you in the classroom and lets you learn from some of the best hunters and callers in the woods. Hi, this is Taylor and Ryan with Got Game Tech. Got Game Tech is a software development company that builds mobile apps that teach hunters how to call and hunt different animals.
0: We went out the very first day, and very first morning, which was 30 years straight, Paul and I have went out on opening That's morning. That's what I was
1: going to say. Paul, Paul Jr. said, oh, there's no way I missing an opening day nope. my dad. That's awesome. it,
0: it, You know, no matter what, we try to make that day happen. And so it's been 30 for 30, which is, it, I mean, it's really special to us. You know, I think number 20, we didn't even think about it. Neither did we at 22, 23, 24, but it was like, man, this is 30 years, 30 you know, we years. haven't missed. Yeah. And so it is, I don't care who you are, but it's still pretty special. You know, if you're with a friend or family member, and in this yeah. case, my son, but on opening morning, we went to a well-known area and uh an area that had uh it, you know it's it's known for having elk at that time of year so we go up there we hike about a half a mile and we get into the area we there's a spot or two that we always call from okay because we know the area so well we know where the elk should be if they're not there maybe they're in the next one and we get a bugle instantly i bugle get a bugle response immediately wow. i'm like are you kidding me really and, and I know the rise and I know what's going on on the other side as far as what the terrain looks like. And and, the yep. and it's not it's not that good. It's not where you really want to hear the bugle. Okay. I usually hear him in a different spot, but this bull was just up on the next level and he sounded like he was around three to four hundred yards away. So I didn't say anything because he bugled real fast back. And so we decided just to walk up to the crest of it and look over to see if we saw anything before we, we, you know, announced ourselves any further. So we did, and it was as brushy as we had remembered it, yep. <laughs> couldn't see anything. So we decided we're going to walk up a little bit more. We have another little spot that we can actually, uh, glass from or see with your own eyes, you know, cause you're looking anywhere from a hundred yards to 500 yards is what you're really seeing. And, and the terrain gains in elevation, maybe 300 feet to the next level. So, you know, we're looking at all this timber, a lot of brush, nothing. We move up to that next level, like I say, and there's a cow staring at us. We didn't even know she was there, she, but she was a long way. She was 300 yards, but she yeah. is just staring us down. And we're like, well, you know, that's never a good thing when the right. cow busts you like that. And we sat there and waited, trying to do nothing, just trying to have her lose interest in this and, and walk away. And she finally did after a couple minutes and the next thing you know we hear this bull bugle past her up on the next level we walked away from him we just left we didn't even go after him we knew that we were we were in trouble we knew we were busted we knew she was going to go up there and take him out of there and it was all done and so we just went another way uh, all together because we'd been there seen that done that and knew it wasn't going to go anywhere and you know that was our opening morning and I think the next three or four days, yeah. we did. We went out like maybe three hours in the morning because he had things to do, and it was fine because I wanted to go scout other things anyway. But we never heard anything in the next three to four days. I, I, I would say it was four days. Wow. Uh, and actually, the next bugle I heard was on the 10th. I'd never heard anything in between that, running around scouting, doing all this, nothing at all.
1: Holy yeah, it was smokes. around the 10th. Yeah, it's a dry spell.
0: Oh, yeah. And th- there was probably two days I didn't go out. And again, it was more kind of a reconnaissance thing, you know, running around and, 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 and just checking things out. Because Paul and I usually don't start hunting seriously until somewhere around the 14th or 15th. That is when we really start getting serious. Before that, you know, we do kill bulls. Last year, I killed a bull on the 8th. It just happened to be that way, but we weren't serious about it because we really want to make sure that the bulls are getting fired up. They're they're with cows because that's right. when we usually kill them. So a lot of that is just being out there having fun, dinking around. But and 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 that's what we usually do. But on the tenth, that's when Paul's son Trey came up, my grandson. So we decided we were going to go into a spot that Paul had killed quite a few bulls in. So we go into that spot and we we head on up and maybe we're a half a mile up in there something of that nature off of a dirt road we hike up in there and and this is a good area in 6 years Pauls killed five bulls in there and so oh, we decide yeah we said, we decide we're going to we're going to go over to this spot cuz Paul when we hunt Paul hunts with the bow or I hunt with the bow I never bring one when he hunts with it he doesn't bring one when I hunt and so that's okay. just how we are and anyway we get up in this area and right where he killed one a couple of years ago, we kind of looked, there's a little water hole there. We looked it over, not much sign in it at all. And so we decided that we're going to walk up to the next bench. That's where he killed that really nice bull last year. It was right yep. on that bench. So we decided we'll walk up to that bench and call. Well, as we walk up to that bench, there's three cows standing there. They're just right there. And I know that a bull was there with them. We just didn't see him, and off they blew out of there. Oh, and man. that, again, is never a good thing. When the cows blow out because they know you're there, they usually take everything out of the area. Right. And we're like, are you kidding me? I should have just called from that little water spot, and maybe he was standing there. I don't know, you know, but it was just one of those things. So we continued up to the next bench, which is about 250 yards. So we get up to the next bench, and this is on September the 10th. And I decide, well, I'm gonna go ahead and call right here. I'm gonna bugle right here. And I bugle and a bull answers me instantly, about four or five hundred yards ahead of me. Okay. So we work real quick. We go up another hundred and fifty yards to the next bench, and Paul and Trey set up, and I get about 40 yards behind him. I bugle again and he bugles instantly.
1: Oh. And so
0: I'm yeah, so I'm like, okay, game is on here. When they answer me, they're usually in trouble. Right, right there, he answered me very quickly. And and he was probably you know, it's hard to say, but he was probably still three hundred yards up there, but that didn't mean nothing. When he gets when he answers me that quick, I felt, okay, the cows haven't gotten up there and haven't made a big deal out of it. So I go ahead and make a couple of cow calls, nothing. I wait about a minute, cow call again, nothing. He doesn't even doesn't even phase him. I bugle, wham, he hits me and he's half the distance. So Holy he was so coming good. my way. Yeah. So I know he's within 175 yards and I say, Okay, to myself, Paul's sitting up there with Trey. This bull's gonna come in. I have no question about it. I know exactly what I'm gonna do to work this bull now to pull him in the rest of the way. Well, as soon as I make that thought, there goes Paul and Trey up the hill. Oh. It's kind of open and I can see him. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't want you guys moving right now. And they yeah. move about 30 yards up. And maybe he saw something I didn't, I don't know, but I was real confident. All I just needed to, the situation to stay as it was. I, I yeah. knew what I was gonna do next to pull him in. And as soon as they moved, it shut up completely. Uh, nothing. Okay. So I'm waiting because I had already called when I saw him move. You know, after they stopped, not yep. doing their movement. Yep. Nothing. I uh, waited. Shoot. I waited another couple of minutes. This time I bugled with a little more aggression, trying to get a response from him. And he bugled back, but he was like 500 yards way up the mountain. Uh, so so he, I he knew, he was, knew he was coming in. And he, was maybe coming, he was coming. I think. In fast. I think they. He just him or maybe even the cows that were, yep. we didn't see him again. All I know is something saw something they didn't like they because did I, go. you know, that's, that's the story you, you get right there. As soon as they moved and, and Paul's very smart. He knows when to move and when not to move, but there was something that told him he needed to get up there. But when he did, it was like my heart sunk to my right. stomach. Cause I knew that was not good. It's too open where I'm looking and right. all they need to see is a glimpse of any movement that doesn't, you know, represent the species, and I right. think that's what happened, and the next thing you know, away he went, and nothing, I I knew nothing I could do was going to bring him back, and it didn't. After that, I think I got even a second bugle, which was further away, and then it just went to nothing, yeah, pure quiet, on, Yeah. and I'm not blaming anybody, don't get me wrong, it was just telling you the story of kind of what happened, maybe if I was up there, I would have done the same thing and made a movement, I don't know, but... Right. As a caller, I I was reading the bull and I was like, okay, I got this guy. I know what I'm going to do. And, and and basically I was just going to play him more I already knew he couldn't care less about the cow sounds right. and you'll yep. run into that a lot of times And so I was going to alleviate those completely and start working on the bull with just bull sounds and some panting and, and 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 just more low line aggressive stuff until I get him built up really good And then I felt he was just going to come right on in just like they have in the past But right. I didn't get that opportunity to do it So anyway that one went out the door and, yep. and, and and that was it. And, and, and really the next five days, I remember two of those days between the 10th and the 15th. It was, uh, if you remember in that time frame, Taylor, it was, again, we got some real inclement weather. And, and when I'm talking about rain, I'm talking about rain that's really wet. And, 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 and people have to appreciate that most of the country that Paul and I hunt is extremely brushy. Right. We don't hunt. Yeah, we don't hunt a lot of timber to where you can just walk anywhere and it's really quiet and no brush. It's not like that. We have a lot of eight to twelve foot willows and buck brush. It's everywhere. Yep. Er- all over the place. <laughs> yeah, and you just and you're soaking wet in, in oh, two yeah. seconds. Those bushes, when and then we wet, have rain They you. just
1: drench you. Yeah. But
0: it's just not it's miserable, is what it is. And the elk will even quiet down in a lot of times. You know, they kind of hole up. And so we kind of, you know, we're we kind of hold back a little bit because we're pretty confident. Ah, we're gonna kill something anyway, you know, and we did but it doesn't matter That's you have to have the right attitude I think attitudes a lot of it because we do kill a lot of bulls from the 20th on it's not unusual yeah. But in that in that respect, you know, it ended up being that It just was a real slow year. We didn't hear very many bugles from August 30th all the way to The 15th and that's when my buddy showed up and then I'm not gonna say his name you know yeah. but 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 he showed up because i had uh, uh invited him for, to from the 15th through the 20th and, and and he came up so paul had to work so we went up to 15th and we went to this area that uh in the past you know has been good it wasn't as brushy as some it's still all these areas have a lot of brush and timber a lot of burn areas so i took him up there and after about one mile of hiking we heard two bulls bugle off to our right. And so we're like, oh man, that's great. And they were bugling each other, but Uh, they were still, oh yeah, they were way up but we could hear them. And they were probably still three quarters of a mile from us. And we had to climb, I would say maybe 800 feet in elevation. So we started side healing and going, going and never, I never called. And we started getting closer and closer. The next thing you know, I hear this bull, he's bugling after, you know, an hour of trying to get over to where he is and he's, Moving along the side hill going from his feeding to his bedding area and I hear this bull bugle about 60 to 70 yards from us He is on the other side of a rock outcropping We are just gaining to the top of the rock The top of the rock was approximately 30 yards from me And I felt he was maybe 30 35 yards on the other side of it from his bugle And he had bugled at least 20 times and I knew he was the herd bull I could hear two satellites below him so Told the guy, said we're going to get right to the top of that rock. We're either going to see him, to kill him, or I am, I am going to challenge that bugle, that bull right there. If he's not, we got to make something happen because the wind's going to, you know, it's going to play with us. Right when I get to that top, it could go down, it could go sideways. We were good where we were at, but I knew I had to make something happen fast. Well, we're starting to work our way up to the top of the rock, and I look off to my right about 80 yards, and there's three cows standing there staring at me out of nowhere. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And they're just staring. All of a sudden, before I could do anything, they blew out of there, running like crazy. As soon as they did that bull that was on their side, the herd bull, he just screamed. And I knew why he did. He heard the commotion. He wanted to know what was going on. So I told the guy, I said, knock in here right now, because I was going to scream at the bull, and I'm hoping he was going to run to the top. You know, so many times when you get within 60, 65 yards of a bull, of a herd bull and you hammer him. He comes up so quick. You know, it's just a reaction thing from him and he didn't do it. Right. As soon as I bugled, he screamed, I cut him off. I had the guy knock an arrow. And the next thing I know, the bull screamed again. He's a hundred yards further. It was just that quick. And I didn't want to call then. That was not my, you know, my my motive. I wanted to get to the top of that rock, which was only 30 yards away, try to kill him right there without saying anything, or call him out into the open if needed, because we were right. so close.
1: Right.
0: And those cows burned me. I mean, and I burned myself. I didn't notice them. I got tunnel vision on that bull. I could hear the other two satellites below bugling him, you know, nonstop. And again, it was just one of those things. And that's happened on the, roughly on, on uh, September the 15th. And, yep, yep. You, you know, that's the story. That was, that was the day's hunt. We continued to hunt that day. And once we blew him out of there, everything kind of pushed. We did, I should say, we did end up catching. I forgot about that. We, we ended up catching up with that bull again, about a half a mile down. He kept bugling. I mean, they had hot cows. There was no yeah, doubt about it. Yep. Yep. And so we were able to kind of keep side-healing, side-healing. And I mean, it's steep, you guys. It's really steep. As a matter of fact, I had picked up a pair of uh, of uh, Under Armour uh, Infill Ops boots. Okay. And they were 10-inch high. They were kind of like a, in between a tennis shoe and a real boot, like a Kennetrek or, or something like that. I had been wearing those thinking this was going to be my new elk boot. And by the time that side heel on those hills... Uh, you know, I got done with them. It, they just couldn't hold up. And the minute right, I got sure back and is. put my Canitrax up, oh my <laughs> gosh, there was just <laughs> no compare. Those Canitrax guys. Yeah. I'm telling is. you, I owned the Canitrax, and I owned the Loa, the Loa GTX 10 inch high. I owned the Crispy, which are 11 inch high, yeah. and all those boots were would do really well in that terrain. But those kind of boots, which were still very stiff. Right. They just couldn't handle that kind of terrain and comfort. I hate to even think if I had a hundred pounds on my back. Oh gosh. You know, yeah. it, it, they just weren't going to hold up. But anyway, we catch up with we catch up with this bull again. I mean, we are fifty yards away from him. I have not bugled since that last time. We're just slipping in silence, slipping in silence, and it's taken us, like I said, roughly forty five minutes to catch him again well what i didn't say was as we were coming up this drainage there's a little trail there and it's a trail that nobody really even knows about well there was two guys behind us and okay. we saw them back there 150 yards so right. we took off up the trail short dents and cut off and went up the mountain well we knew these bulls had been worked there was no doubt about it i was within a mile of a dirt road i knew these bulls had been worked there was no question and that was why i was so apprehensive and calling too early Because I knew they had already been hampered with. There's no doubt. So anyway, as we get to 45 minutes more into the same herd bull. Now we're slipping in. He's bugling enough. We're going in silent, silent, silent. We're right on top of him. And we can hear a couple of cows right next to him. Just barely mewing. Barely. And all of a sudden, we heard mewing below us. We could hear just Mm -hmm. And we're like, what the heck? All of a sudden. We heard like five barks, just cows barking, 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 barking. And everything blew out of there. And we knew exactly what happened. Yeah. Those two guys had came underneath us. Uh, they heard the bugling too. They knew we were there. They knew we had called that bull way earlier. They, right. you know, they, it's, it's public land. What are you going to do?
1: We yeah. never saw
0: them. But we knew dang well that was them. And when those cows saw them, those guys got too close. They got too. They probably thought we were we were still on the bull, and and you know there was competition, so they sure. felt pressured and they had to make something happen, and they uh, blew the whole entire thing. Yeah, we never said a sound. We were still behind them. They didn't even oh know we were there. Gosh, and that you. was the end of that day.
1: Yeah, out of your so control. You, you never
0: know one. what yeah. happens. Uh, but that, that was on uh, Yeah, that was on the fifteenth, and I believe on the sixteenth. I took my buddy out to another spot, and and, and I'm, I have my notes here written where I was taking notes, and we never heard anything on the 16th. We didn't hear anything on the 17th because it started raining. Yep, we we went we out a little back. bit on the set. Yeah, the 17th and 18th, it just absolutely poured. So none of us had it. You know, we actually drove out, went out in the vehicle and drove around just looking, you know, uh, kind of like a little road vehicle You couldn't even hear. It was like nothing. But we were also looking at other camps. So yeah. I told him, I said, we're going to take you to an area that usually has elk in it. And and so Paul could hunt that day, but he didn't hunt those other three days. So now Paul was going to hunt, and this was on the 19th. If I'm going too fast, just tell me.
1: No, you're doing good. Follow along. <laughs>
0: So on the 19th, we're going to head up into this area that, uh, I, that I know elk usually frequent. And so Paul and I and and, and our buddy, we went on up. We get up maybe, I'm going to say we're off of the road about a quarter of a mile, and I bugle, and I get a response well above us, just instantly, okay. yeah. right at daylight. So that was good, really yeah. good. So now we've, we work our way up maybe 15, 20 minutes. I don't say a sound. The bull's not saying anything, but we know about where he was. So we work our way up the hill, all three of us. We get to where I'm saying, thinking, okay, we should be within 300 yards of him. And a cow call, instant response. It's the first time that year we got a response from a cow call. Uh, At, yeah, the 19th. 19th, okay. We didn't hear one response from a, a bull on a cow call. And, and the 19th was the first one. And Paul turned around and looked at me. He says, Dad, we got this bull. <laughs> and, right, and he did. Right. He knows. When you yep. get him to respond to a cow call or even to your call, that they respond really fast. And you know you can work that country. And we knew it could. It wasn't as brushy. There was plenty of it. But we knew the area and where he called from and where we were, that we had a really solid chance on this bull. So I, now I start giving some regathering news to 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 try to pull the bull this way and what it not only does is it usually will keep him vocal by giving those those regathering mews. it keeps him in the conversation so as we're pulling this i mean it's steep really steep it'll bench four or five times and so as i'm pulling up and that and that mew is kind of like this right here (laughs) it's real long And as I kept hitting it, he was just screaming at it. And so we're going up, 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 up. And the next thing you know, I mean, we're within 125 yards. And now we haven't said anything for probably another 100. But we get to that 125. I probably used that call four or five times. He hammered me every single time because he knows I'm trying to bring him over to me and and at the same time i'm trying to meet him halfway so you know i'm listening to his bugles as he's telling me to come up he's listening to my sounds as i'm telling him to come down and it, it's really normal elk talk and as i get up there i mean we are both closing the distance right. we get up there at 125 yard range and we hear him bugle and we're like this guy's going to come fast on my next sound so i said The two, you get right up there. We looked at a tree up there, and we said, go right up to the right of the tree. Stay right there. I'm going to stay below you. I'm about 25, 28 yards below him, and I get behind this tree with branches, and I'm going to invite the bull, and as soon as he screams, I'm going to start raking like crazy to try to let him know why the cow's not coming fast enough. So as soon as I get up there, and I hit that mew, and I hit like two or three of them really fast, he hammered it. I started raking. I hit the mew again. I started panting through the bugle, and I started started (laughs) hearing... and i hit it like that and the next thing you know i see a flash to my right of an animal running and he's running through across the hillside and i'm just seeing flashes of it coming through and i'm looking at those two guys above me because paul and the other guy are above me and when i say i'm 25 yards away it was like they were still 20 yards above me though it's real steep and they were right on a little crest and i could see the brush coming from my right It was coming from my right to the left and then opening. And I'm thinking, if that bull comes where I think he is, around the brush and right at me, he is going to be standing on top of these guys. Wow. Here comes that bull, and I can see the guy trying to draw his bow, and he's struggling. Everything's shaking. And I'm like, well, I see it, and I'm like, but I'm below it, and I'm like, well, hopefully Paul's trying to talk him through it. And I see him trying to draw. He doesn't draw. He tries to draw, and he doesn't draw. And everything is just moving. And this bull is just screaming, coming now. And all of a sudden, he's he's starting to come into view. And I see the bow come back. Yep. And I'm like, oh, he got. And there's the bull. And as the bull comes through, I make a short cow call just to give him a direction. I said, like, he, he can't see me behind the brush. And I'm right next to this tree and right behind it. And I already just raked the heck out of it. And yep. he comes running at me. And he's standing, I'm going to guess, 16, 17 yards staring right at those, at me. He doesn't even wow. see these two guys. He's right there, right in front of him. The guy's holding a full draw, just so aiming, aiming. I'm like, what are you waiting for? Shoot this bull. There's nothing in the way. Yeah. And this is like a 310-inch bull. This is a really nice, over-the-counter bull. And all of a sudden, he shoots. I scream a bugle, like two or three, hammer the cow calls. But what I didn't like was I never heard Paul make a sound. Because usually after the shot, he is just calling like crazy to slow the bull down. Yes. And nothing. And so I'm looking up at him, you know, kind of in wonderment, and Paul's just shaking his head. Oh. So I get up there real quick. I go, What? Bad shot? It wasn't good. He goes, He missed him completely. Oh. And I, What? No way. Wow. He's like yeah. 17 yards standing there. And he goes, oh. He just completely shanked it and pulled his shot to the left, and it just went sliding by him. He didn't oh. even touch it. Wow. And I'm like, Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> and it was the 19th. It was the first elk we got in to actually kill, you know, right there. And I was like, oh my goodness. Well, you know, and of course, we're more, we're disappointed, but we're not mad or anything. We've seen a lot of stuff. So I go up and the guy said, what happened? He goes, man, he said, I was shaking so bad. He goes, I'm going to tell you, look at my hand. My left hand is still shaking so bad. I couldn't control the bow. I put my arrow on the rest. And it was just rattling everything. I was shaking. (laughs) You're kidding me. He goes no, and he says I just I don't know what I don't know what happened. He says he was standing there. It was like shooting at a truck.
1: He says I must pull
0: my bow to the left to see where the arrow went. I don't know. It happened so fast. But he says I didn't even touch him. I mean the arrow just went bouncing, and we found the arrow and it was busted up. Oh boy! Where it hit. But you know, you, so see that could have been a dead bull, but it oh, wasn't.
1: Absolutely. And, yeah. and
0: and 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 it, if Paul was shooting, yeah, he yeah, that because the last two bulls Paul killed, you know, I mean, were distances like that, and he they just piled up right. But you know what? That's okay because yeah. not everybody has that kind of out killing experience. So at least we were able to put him in a position to put that bull down. And this thing came in so fast once we got in position. And what was really cool, Taylor, was he was screaming the entire way. And That's I think awesome. that really unraveled him. Oh, and then, man. oh, yeah, when I saw that bull come in, I am looking right at him. And what am I in that? Maybe roughly 42 yards because they were about 25 for me and he was about 17 from them. But I think the bull is going to keep coming. It's just My he goodness, stopped yeah. right there in the opening. And when I saw him, I went, that is a big bull. I mean, I knew, you know, he was over. He was well over three hundred inch bull, oh, and yeah. I, Paul says, yeah, I think he was more like three ten. It was a nice bull, but you know, and he was a herd bull. There was no doubt about it.
1: Yeah. But you yeah. know, that's
0: just hunting, and and that's kind of the way that day went. Yeah. And know, an
1: opportunity for your buddy to. You
0: yeah. Know, has
1: those and unfortunate, but good to learn from and.
0: Yeah, you know, so I mean, you know, it's not like we didn't have any opportunities. And the very next day, oh my goodness. He could only hunt one more day. That was it. That was on the 20th. And so, and and us too with him. It was a, you know, uh, it it was an agreement we had. So there was an area that I killed the bull in. uh, It was either two or three years ago, three years ago. And it's a heck of a climb. I mean, you literally park and you're like, from your GPS, you're like .50 from the truck, but you go up 2,200 feet. Oh, my goodness. Look how steep it is. You can easily walk up this mountain and touch it with your hand anytime you want. Yeah. It's just straight up. And and that day, it was half raining, drizzly. And I oh. said, man, you know what? Every time I go up here, this thing has elk in it. You know, And I don't want this guy to kill an elk bad. Me and Paul are not carrying a bow. And right. so I wasn't carrying a bow the day he shot at the one the day before. So we yeah. get up, take off for this spot, and we climb. It takes... You know, I'm with them. you know, and it takes an hour and a half for us to get up this thing. We get all the way to the top of this thing. And I mean, this is, I, I swear we all lost three or four pounds. This is just <laughs> pure sweat to get up this thing. We get all the way to the very top and we start hunting this thing left to right. And there was nothing up there. Not a thing. I was absolutely shocked. I've hunted this spot for 20 years. And it's like, I've never been up there when there was an elk up there somewhere. Wow. We, Nothing. It w- we found out out of all, you know, we're talking on September the 19th, I would say, you know, all the days we hunted in there, we probably hit six or seven areas that I really haven't even mentioned that we went into and there was nothing. But anyway, we hit a lot of areas this year that were real dry, meaning no calling, nothing. We weren't getting into any elk at all. And, and, and so that was more unusual, I felt, than, than, than past years. But then it came to be the September the 22nd. Okay. Yeah. September 21st, nothing happened. The other guy left. He was gone now. And and on September 21st, I'm just showing from my notes here that there was no action. I honestly can't remember where we went that day because yeah, I don't have it.
1: A... just blurs together. Yeah. It
0: was yeah. like, who cares? Nothing happened that day. We covered ground. I would say in this. In, in, in that month, we probably put between 150 and 200 miles of boot leather on the ground. Oh so so gosh. that people know we cover a lot of ground. You yes. know, we're not just driving around. We literally burn a ton of boot leather. As a matter of fact, this was the fourth year on our Kennetrek boots. This is our second set each. And we pretty much have uh, taken, they've taken, they, they've done about all they can do. When yeah, you start thinking, well, four years is good. Well, guys. That's one month each year. 11 months, they sit in the closet. Right, That's, right. It's a, that kind of trek boot, in my opinion, is one of the best boots you'll ever put on your feet. And I mean that. It is one of yes. the best boots you'll ever, ever wear. I don't care if we're only getting four months out of them. It's it's the toughest four months that you could really put on anything. You're so much side heel. And, in, and, and these boots probably have carried 12 bulls out, too. You know, even though we didn't pull one out this year with it, we pulled a lot of them out, right, helping us. Right. They well, are right.
1: Yeah. After talking with your son, uh, I was like in a, that Rocky Mountain Oak Foundation bank we went to a year or so ago. I ended up, you know, cause I found out you guys were running tracks, and my brother was in the market for some. and I was at a banquet this year and there was some getting auctioned off and I bought them for him and my brothers loved his Oh, too. you're
0: such a good guy. Yeah. What do you guys well, think
1: of them? Yeah, I got him for a screaming deal, but he, he pitched in a little bit still. <laughs>
0: yeah, But they're awesome boots, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they're great boots.
0: You know the reason I like them? More than I. The crispies are also really good. The GTX, the HT uh-huh. GTX, are really good, but they're about five ounces heavier per okay, boot. Okay,
1: and you feel that after. A full
0: yes, and so are and so are the 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 the, the Loas, but they're uh-huh. all very well built. Really good. Right. Boot. But they're also about four to five ounces heavier per boot. But the Kenotrek is less than two pounds. They're one pound fourteen ounces on a size eight, which is what I wear. Yep. But they are the toughest boot. I've worn hand wags. I've worn those Oslo's. I mean so many different boots. And and I'm not trying to plug Kenotrek, but I'm just saying that they are incredible boots. They, yeah, they make a good boot. They That's really cool. they really, really do make a very nice one. And I know there's other good ones, but These guys are getting my money. I mean, I'm sold on how well built they are, and I have a I had broken my ankle a while back, you know, years back, and I need that support. Right. And and, and they definitely do offer it. But anyway, September 22nd was was a day to remember. It was cool, huh? We were into the bulls on this day. I didn't carry a bow on this day, but this was Paul carrying a bow on this day, and. uh, we, we start the morning out. We go back where I took my buddy because I told Paul, I said, there's bulls in this area where we got into the bull and the other hunters were in there. I said, I know hunters are hunting this area, but I know what the bulls are doing now. So let's just go back and see if they're still there. It's really rugged and Steve. And so most people, they just don't put up for it. They all sit way back. I mean, a quarter mile away and further and just bugle and bugle and call and hope yeah, they'll come running yeah, to them. And they're yeah. not going to do that. These elk are too smart and you know that's another thing i wanted to mention i you know i hope people appreciate the elk that we hunt the country we hunt i want people to know that we purposely hunt these pressured elk we purposely hunt elk two miles and in from any kind of a trail or road because i want to show people that are blue collar workers and hunters like we are that hunt all over the counter that that you can kill elk without bivy hunting. You can get into good encounters without bivy hunting. Most people aren't set up for that. And I know from the emails I get and the phone calls, that 90% of those hunters are are, are are staying mobile. They're hunting from a, a truck camp or a base camp. They're yes. not going back seven and eight miles like some of these guys hunting these dumb elk, and that's what they are. They're going into elk that see no pressure, and that's wonderful. But they're going to get these elk that see no people so that when you call these nice six-by-sixes and 315 bulls, they just come into anything. And believe me, I've called those bulls. They're like yeah. nothing at all. It's fun because there's no pressure on them, and they just succumb. They hear an elk sound. They think it's an elk because that's what they're used to. But these pressured bulls, whole different story. You got to work them. You got to fool them. You got to make them. You got to make believable sounds to impress them to come to bow distance. And that is why we hunt these elk purposely is to show others that with the right sounds and the right setup and being believable, you can call these bulls that are getting hammered. Exactly. And here's a perfect day. Here's what we did on three different bulls and this is close this is bulls that everybody is calling and generally we kill the bull that the guy missed we kill bull this day and and you know i mean we really do and this is how we're usually filling these tags we're not getting 20 chances we usually get five or six and we're killing three or four of those we're taking full advantage so you know in this year the chances were there the shots were fired but the bulls didn't go down And, and and that's just how it went but on this day this was one of the best days because we get in there. I tell Paul about the spot. We get in way early, well before light. We start going along the bottom of the hillside, knowing we still have to go up close to 1,000 feet. And we hear a bull bugle. Then we hear another bull bugle and another bull. And I said, that's the same three. That's the same one. That's and I, awesome. said, Let's, I said, this time, what we're going to do is he likes to go from right to left. He's going at least a half a mile. We're going to get way ahead of this bull. So we start going down below, and I can hear the bull bugle, and then all of a sudden it kind of gets a little more quiet because I think there's a hot cow, but that one day, there must have been like at least two, three, four hot cows. They
1: were fired up.
0: Oh, they were rut-festing it. This day, they're bugling, but nothing like that day. So I'm calling a little bit, trying to get position on where he is, and what I'm doing is just giving a location bugle, and he's answering it, and I'm making sure he's way to my right because I know he likes to go right to left. So as I'm going across, I'm keeping him kind of vocal enough, but I'm way under this thing. I mean, a quarter of a mile. I mean, you know, a thousand yards. I mean, way away. Right, but it's right. so steep, it sounds carrying. And so we get around him, and as we climb, 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 he's staying just vocal enough with a satellite. We get to where now he's maybe a hundred yards to my right, and 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 I'm looking. We're looking for a trail because we know they wanted side hill on these trails, and we can't find it. It's a bunch of rock. So we had already kept him vocal enough. Now we got underneath him, and we hear him bugle about 100 yards. So Paul races up to a spot. I stay below, and I'm trying to actually film it. And and I see the bull come out of the trees, and I'm thinking, man, he's a little bit higher. He's like maybe look looked like 50 to 60. Paul, tra- Paul practices to 100. We don't shoot right. that far. But we figure 50 to 60 broadside. Yeah. No-brainer if right. we get the shot. As the bull comes through, I see him, nothing in the way. He's just He doesn't even know we're there. And he's just walking, meandering, he's coming out, coming out. And he looked to me, and and he was, he was in in that 50, 55, he was somewhere in there, plenty killable, and he's walking. I see Paul come to full draw. And I had already told Paul, I said, as soon as I see him come across, even with you, I'm going to stop him. Right. And so as he comes through there, I didn't want to get real loud and startle Paul. I see the bull come across the top of the rock. And he's walking, walking. And I see Paul. He's, he's under a tree. There's branches there, but he's trying to stay a little bit concealed. And like I said, I see him come to full draw. And as the bull comes right across his path, I do this. Just a short one, just like that. A little nervous grunt, yeah. He freezes right there and looks down. And I'm to the right of Paul. I'm not exactly behind him. I'm to the right maybe five yards because I know I'm going to stop this bull. And the bull looks right at me. He doesn't even look at Paul. And Paul's at full draw. And right. he's holding right there, and I'm looking at him like, that is a dead bull. This right. dude is toast. I mean, he kids killed 29 bulls already. He's going to kill this uh, bull. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I see him boom, shoot, and as soon as he does, not five feet from the bow, I see this limb cut off and fall to the ground. Oh. I mean, was loud. Whack! And I'm like... What? The? And I see the arrow fall way short of the bull, hit the oh, rock. It and just took all up. the energy out of it. And yeah. the bu- oh, I didn't even go near the bull. And the bull just goes taken off from the right to the left into the timber. I bugle, and he stops. I mean, just right there. I bugle instantly. And he, sto- he doesn't know what happened. Right. And he's look- right. looking. And so I go ahead and give him a short, nervous grunt right there again, trying to bring him out because I see Paul reloading, and he just right. stands there, and he stands there, and he stands there. And so I go ahead, and I just kind of give a little bugle whine to my right, hoping it's going to pull him out. He just turns, and he just walks away, and nothing's going to stop him. He knew something was wrong. Right. Paul hit a branch, yeah. like I say, not even five feet in front of him. Holy and he says, cow. "He says, Dad, I saw the branches, but I thought I was well over. I thought, no way am I in those. I mean, I, I, I'm clear. Yeah. And there went uh, Iron Will, $33 broadhead, down the tubes. <laughs> Never found it. We just oh, found pieces. Didn't. Nope, never. Uh, I looked yeah. for that head, too. <laughs> yeah, those aren't
1: Such like a deep in the
0: tree Oh, yeah. I looked for that head, and I could not find it anywhere. And, and oh, that bull bummer. took off. Yeah. So here we got that bull right there, and that's not half of it. This bull gets away, and this is a really nice six-point. We figured him, he's really close to 9300. We okay. both saw him really clear. So he takes off. And he's out of there. So we decide. well, let's just stay on the side hill because I had heard bulls in here. So we start going. We go maybe, I don't know, three-eighths of a mile, and we hear a bull off in the distance. So we go, oh, there's a bull over here. So let's just stay, and he seems like he's about our level. And so now we're really getting away from things. We're probably a mile and a half in roughly. So okay. we're going, going, going. I'm not calling. This bull's bugling enough so we finally get over to where this bull is and it is just crappy a lot of brush a lot of downfall We're on a side hill and it had rained, as you know several times. So it's a little bit on the quieter side So we're creeping in creeping in (coughs) Excuse me, and I know this bull. I hear him bugling. He's no more than 40 45 yards just below us The wind is coming up. It's like I'm gonna say 945 and it's iffy. You know, it's wanting to go down, but it's trying to come up. Go on to go down, come up. Oh, yeah. And, and it's staying there, though. And so I see Paul going real slow. He's about 15 yards in front of me. So I don't move. I stay back. He's coming around. A, we're on a, on an h- incline. Pretty steep. We're on the upper end. Bulls below us. Big patch of buck brush, uh, willows. They're good, 10, 12 feet tall. And there's an alleyway that we can walk. And, and as soon as Paul gets that 15 yards, roughly, I see it kind of open up, bunch of downfall, and he's just standing there looking down the hill. I hear this bull bugle at least three or four times, and I'm like, there's no way that bull's not in range. Right, right. So I'm just sitting there. I'm not moving. Cause when you do what your shooter does, you know, when you don't see him move and he you don't move and walk up there to see what's going on, you stay there. So I I didn't move and Paul didn't turn and look at me. He's just focused. He has an arrow knock and he's got tension. I'm just waiting, wait. And this bull's bugling. And I can tell it's a six point. There's I don't have to see him. I know it's a good bull. And it's not the same bull, it's another bull. And now in there like ten minutes, I see a cow moving off to my left. I can see her moving through the breast. She's feeding, and she's not even 15 yards away from Paul. And she's just feeding. And I I have the wind checker in my hand. And I feel it kind of going to her left and then kicking back to me. Then it's going to her left and kicking back. Then it's going sideways. I'm like, oh, he's going to get
1: busted. busted.
0: I know it. I know it. And I'm sitting there. And I mean, 10 minutes goes by now. And I'm looking at Paul. Why aren't you shooting? What's going on? And I'm just sitting there. Nothing I see now a second cow come through and they're standing right out in front of Paul They're not even looking at him. they don't even know he's there and he doesn't want to shoot a cow So he's not going to shoot him and so right. he's just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. all of a sudden I see the cows kind of go off to my left and i when I say you see him. I'm glimpses. It's real right. thick I see looks like they go lay down. That's what I'm thinking. They did so I'm kind of Picking something up and kind of tossing it at Paul trying to get his attention and I'm looking at him, and I'm, like, squirting the bottle, letting him, showing him it's just iffy <laughs> as heck. Yeah, and yeah. And he turns and looks at me. I'm, you know, like, my hands are out. I don't have a a, a bow. I am just have my pack on my back and my bugle. And I, I give him, like, what do you want me to do? And and he's just staring at me. And I'm, like, you know, I'm giving him, like, you want me to rake? You want me to do something? And he says yes. So I decide I'm going to sneak back. So I now I get about 50 yards away from him. I just okay. slip back. Yeah. and I start raking and I rake and I rake I'm trying to bring him out of wherever this bull is obviously you can't see him to kill him but right, there's something right. in the way. so I start raking and the bull's not saying anything I rake a little bit more and I pant a couple times for the bugle nothing I give a cow call nothing so I decide well and I still see Paul I mean he's way over there and he's not doing anything different God. and I'm like what so I bugle and I scream a bugle and when I do, I hear the bull bugle and he's further away. So I'm wow. like, oh, yeah. so well, again, further away. So I walk over to him. I'm like, what happened? He goes there, And I go over to where he is and I look down. there. There's a brush pile. This brush pile is maybe 40 feet wide. And he said the bull is on the other side of it. He never showed himself. The two cows were right there. He says, I could have shot the cows all day long. They weren't even doing anything. They didn't know he was there. But right. he says, as soon as started raking and pan the bull started walking down the mountain instead of you know most of the time they will at least expose themselves and look for their cows or do something but he left the that's how much they get pressure if you were hunting dumb elk Four, five, six, seven miles back and you did that, they would race right up that mountain like you would not believe. But when they're ha- hammered and they're pressured a lot, that's why I didn't call at first. A lot of times you can play on their curiosity, but he would have nothing to they do with it.
1: touch us. it. Yeah. Nothing. Out of
0: there. Between us, that was that. You know, it, it's a coin flip sometimes. <clears throat> Excuse me. You never know what they're going to do. So we decide to heck with that bull. We can hear two bulls bugling way off. And Paul says can you hear those bulls? I said son, I barely can hear them, but I heard him bugle at least 20 times while we're here right. He says yeah, let's go kill one of those. So I said, okay I mean here we are we, we just happened to be a good day. They were yeah. really calm Yeah, so we yep. decide here we go It takes us 45 minutes to get and we can hear the bugles getting closer and closer It's two bulls one bull has cows the other one's a satellite so we move over to where they're we finally get to where they're at. I know I'm within 100 yards of them. We're creeping around, moving real slow through the timber. All of a sudden, this bull jumps up at our feet. We didn't even know he was there. He jumps up and takes off to the left. And he, I would say he ran 100 to 150 yards to where the other bull was bugling a lot. Well, this bull, he hadn't bugled enough because when we got there, we thought they were still further up, and he he bolted out of there. And we're like, great. Now we don't have a chance. He's probably going to blow the other bull out, take him with him, and that's the end of it. You know, things like that happen. It just right. does. So, and
1: yeah.
0: so you sit there, and I think, well, I know darn well that they're looking for cows. They want cows so bad it's ridiculous, and that's why they were really harassing. This one was harassing that one. So I decide, well, I'm going a cow call. I cow call. The bull answers immediately. Another bull, the, the second one, he answers from probably 200 yards. And I'm like, oh, maybe we have a chance with this guy. So I've sent Paul up about 30, 35 yards. We're in timber with a little bit of brush, but plenty of openings. So I start cow calling, whining, cow calling. And I can tell he's coming closer and closer. So I'm like, oh, this is good. This is good. So I start backing up a little bit, whining a little bit more with the cows, you know, really whining it out. I'm not going meow, meow. I'm more meow, ah, whining right, I'm getting, it out. I it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so kind of a little pleads and I'm moving away and I can tell this bull's coming and coming. Then all of a sudden, after about 10 minutes of play in this game, he's further away. Well, I go, I, I move to my left and start walking up real slow. And I see Paul just standing over there next to a tree. So I walk over. What happened? He goes, that bull was still 75 yards from me. He said he never showed himself. And he says he he might have sounded closer, but he wasn't. He said he finally just repeated. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take this other bull's place, and I I'm going to go with nothing but bugles. I said, right. you just stay right here. I'm going to go back about 50 yards and trade bugles with about what that guy was using. So I started whining because this other bull was not bugling hot and heavy. He was doing some of these right here, kind of a. He was doing a bunch of that right. really nasty. And when he ran off, we could see it was a five point. And I started hammering it, going back and forth and going from left to right, popping and breaking things. That bull immediately lit it up instantaneous and here he came just started screaming and screaming and bugling and i kept it up and i moved away from a little bit started breaking things got a little bit more emotion into my bugle a little bit more and i could hear him just coming 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 fast and i'm like oh my god paul's gonna kill this bull all of a sudden i hear thunder crashing bang and running away from me and i'm thinking all right paul just shot the bull right so i'm bugling and screaming so i go running up there and Paul standing there, just shaking his head. And I'm like, what? What? I mean, did you, did you get him? He goes, he said, Dad, he was 20 yards away from me, maybe 19, He's standing there. But he walked out. He says, as soon as you started screaming like that and building up, he just started coming. He says, there was a bunch of uh, 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 small pine trees, maybe they're in the six to eight foot. He's pointing at them to me. He said, he, st- he started coming in. As soon as his head went behind the tree to come behind, he goes, I drew the bow back. And when I did, he says, his head stopped right where those limbs are. And he says, the bow made a squeak. I said, oh. what? how doesn't squeak? I know the bow. He's right? using. Goes, it made a little eek. That was it. Oh. And he saw it right there. He's standing broadside. He says, and I could see the limbs. I could see his whole broadside body. 100%, 19, 20 yards. And I could see opening. And he goes, I, I just knew I could put this broadhead right through. it. he goes, if there was enough there. He goes, at that distance, I felt there's no way there's any trajectory. It's just a straight shot over this limb. Right. And he says, I put it right on him. He doesn't have a clue. He's, you know, He heard the squeak, but he didn't know what it was. He's just standing there. He said, I shot, I hit that limb, and it just sailed right off. Didn't even didn't, didn't kill him. Two
1: limbs in one day. Are you
0: kidding me? Oh, and- <laughs> man. And I'm like, you see what the luck we had that day?
1: Oh gosh.
0: <laughs> the other guy, so I mean and this was on the twenty second that I mean, how do you how do you draw that kind of stuff up? It's just right. you know, it's okay. Right. Yeah. And
1: that, that is the truth. That's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. And
0: there went another iron will. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Fat that arrow. Nothing. And that was it, you know, and it was just like, and I don't really even care about that, but it was just funny because they are expensive. It's like shooting 50 bucks every time. It is, letting, letting that go. Yeah. Head inserts because I always put those 95 grain inserts uh, on them, you know, and they're like 40 bucks for 12, but it's just funny, yeah. you know. So how, but, heavy,
1: how heavy is your arrow that you're shooting, Paul?
0: 430.
1: Okay, that's about 4- like my, I'm 436.
0: But. Yeah, 430 grains and you know that's just the way it goes and away it went and you know in between that we if you remember right after that we hit like two or three more days of bad weather so we yep. waited an And and after that we really didn't hear much we did go to some areas that we hunt that it's a luck of the draw really brushy we heard some bugles but it's it's like okay you can't get within 400 yards of these bulls. It's just so thick. There's nothing you can do. And I and, and I don't know if guys can appreciate what I mean by thick. I'm talking so thick. You cannot get through it. It's impossible. Right. But yeah. the bull will be over there. So it's not like, why don't you go to the slow play and get 200 yards away? You can't. It's yeah. impossible. You can't get over there. And you're not going to slow play them that far. Right, right. They walk away from them bulls until they're in a more conducive area where we can approach them or do something and i've killed bulls in those areas but you got to catch them in the right spot those weren't the right spots and we walk away we do it every year we walk away you're not going to do anything but spin your wheels with them yeah we've tried to call them don't think we haven't but they're too far and you know and they usually have cows and they're not going to mess with it and they're called by other people because we're not hunting way way back we're hunting where we'll hunt just like i say to show that you can kill some of these bulls but they got to be in the right spot or you just leave them alone and so the only other opportunity that we really had was on September the 28th. We saw that the weather was coming in on the 29th and 30th, and it was going to get ugly in the areas where we hunt. So it showed that there, it was going to start at noon. And so we thought, let's put it, let's get at least a half a day, whatever we can. And so we go out there to that same spot. Now this is six days later. Right. And of all the areas we've been to, nothing's going on. Dead. The place we took our buddy, everywhere we went, nothing, no bulls, just zero. They've been hunted. They, they've, everything's been moved. And so we decide, let's go try this area. So we go up there, nothing going on on that steep side of the mountain. Well, there's more mountain, more country up there. So we go to the left side this time. So we decide we're going to go up there and see if we can find anything. It gets to be about 10 o'clock and we can see the weather moving in. Right. We're probably a mile from the rig. Nothing better than a doornail. we haven't heard anything. So ah, we decide we're gonna take a snack, it's about 10 o'clock. We're up above this uh, triple wallow that I, that I had a tree stand on many years ago. We're about a quarter mile away from it, to the right, to, to the south of it, and probably, you know, like I said, to the south of it, maybe 300 yards above it. We're on a okay. next bench. All this is benchy country, it's real steep. So we're over there sitting there kind of looking our wounds you know, hope. And we're still grinding, guys. We're not giving up. We have still right. grinded, grinding, trying to make something happen. We know the weather's going to hit and it's going to be snow. It's not going to be rain. And we're sitting there, nothing, taking a snack. And I decide, you know, I'm just going to start giving some regathering music, a long wine, <clears throat> and, and I'm going to invite it. If, if guys will go to the app that have the app and go listen to that cow bugle what that cow is doing is she's letting other elk know she's there and she's trying to call them to her. And I want to share that sound because it's a really interesting sound. So go, go to the app if you have it and listen to that cow bugle. You're going to learn a ton. This is a sound a cow will use when she feels other elk are around her and she uses what I call the cow bugle. She's trying to call them her way. We didn't know if anything was out there, but it's much louder than a cow call. Right, here's this right. that she here here's the sound that she's gonna make <laughs> and she'll usually do it several times you notice how it sounds like a little kind of a real young bugle at the end uh, a bowl?
1: yeah.
0: yeah. she does all in one note and i did three of them and i waited eating peanut butter sandwich seriously drinking some <laughs> water, pasta. Boiling coffee. He brought out his jet boil thing. He picking up coffee I And mean, it's been dead. And it's yeah. getting ready more. You can tell. It's getting ugly. The wind's picking up. I do it again, I think another two times. I waited about a minute and did it again. Nothing. Coffee's about ready. Uh, I hit it again. Just a long whine and then at the end. And all of a sudden we heard a growl. Just kind of a here's what we hear. Kind of a way off and Paul said did you hear that I said yeah I said are we hearing things is it the wind <laughs> that the so I wave nothing he's still making the coffee we don't even know where it came from Right. and right. above us below us we have no idea so I hit that sound again and all of a sudden we hear a high pitch all we hear is this sound right here That's it. He might have had an end to it, but I'm just okay. giving the height pitch. That's all we heard. And it's probably four or five hundred yards away. Right. Wow, that's below us. Way below us. Closer to the road. Right. You know, which you it's not near the road, but it's in that direction. There's a dirt road down there. And he goes, Yeah, so we rustled through everything, trying to drink some of that coffee, throw the rest away. I hit that wine again, and now we hear him bugle and grunt. And it, he's maybe two hundred and fifty yards away. He's cut oh, the distance closer. so far. Yeah. And I mean we can tell. It's a good bull so I sent Paul down I said "We're I'm on top of a bench I go just get right on the other side of it and a big meadow opens up and you can see probably 60 yards across it and maybe 70 yards wide and then it's thick brush and timber and I'm thinking this guys already come at least 250 yards he's gonna come Paul just get right over there I'm gonna come up here and just start working them with those same sounds and I should be able to pull him up. He's already came that far. So I'm working the sounds. I'm giving him that same sound. And he, actually some some cow sounds as well. But more of a meh, whining it out. But, but you know, not as much as the cow bugle type. So I'm mixing it up. And I can hear him coming, coming, coming. And the next thing you know, he calls. And I mean, there's no way he's even 100 yards from me. And I'm at least 40 yards behind Paul. And I'm like, this bull has to be right there. Then all of a sudden I look and Paul moves again. And I'm like, what the heck is he doing? Why is right. he moving? You know what I'm thinking? Oh, you don't want to move right now because just think, see things, you know. Have you ever walked 100 yards and look back up? If your partner tells you he's going to hide up there and he doesn't move, you'll, you won't know where he is camoed up. But if he touches his hat or yep. moves his boat, does anything, it's like it draws yeah. your attention right yeah. to it. Even yeah. though you can't identify him, it's like. And I think that's what happened. You know, I never really said anything at all, but I think something like that, because now we got that bull right there. He's already came four or 500 yards. What's another 25? He should still be coming. And all of a sudden when that movement happened, I, the bugles all started moving to my left. It was like, there was no way he was going to come any closer. He started going to my left, to my left, to my left and staying in that hundred, hundred and twenty five yard range. And I'm like, I need to start pulling over to the right. I think something's already wrong, but I'm going to pull him over. So I started going to the right. I mean, I even got 100 yards from Paul, making him think, making the bull think I'm leaving and giving those whines and whines. And he wasn't buying it. He wasn't leaving, but he wasn't buying it. So he started raking and I screamed a bugle, you know, hoping that would pull him. And he stayed right there. And he started bugling and bugling me back, but he would not move. Yep. And so I could tell this was going nowhere, and yeah. and I finally walked over to Paul. What happened, you know, what's the deal He goes, I, there's something there he doesn't like But I'm looking at a spike, there's a spike Standing there, and I ranged him at 128 yards, he said, the bull is Right there next to him, and then a cow Came out, another cow, so It was like several elk, that whole little Group came with him, right brought them all It was just that. one of those things, you know you, I, I'm not trying to blame anybody Maybe something came around and saw me You know, right. for all I know, but I didn't think so I was up on the next level up But the point is, is that he was coming in on that last-ditch effort, and then all of a sudden, it just stopped. I, I I think he saw something. Did the wind change? I don't know. I wasn't over there on the edge. I didn't think it did. It was all feeling good, but you never know. Things happen. But right,
1: right. that oh, was the so-
0: last straw, you know, in that bale of hay for our yeah. season and because we no more than bumped that bull, out he went, and here came the weather. It was uh. just almost... It was almost like, you know, I'm almost happy we didn't kill him because it started. <laughs> it would
1: have been brutal. Yeah.
0: Oh, snow, rain. I mean, it just dumped. And for the rest of the entire day, it did that. And we got out of there, you know, with not just us in our packs and right. got out of there. But, you know, that was our season. <laughs> yeah, well, it was definitely it action packed. It was
1: fun. Yeah. yeah, sounds like a lot of fun. A lot of, you know, I mean, it's, you know, the elk opportunities were
0: Oh, you know, they were there. We should have killed cool three bulls.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: shoulda, woulda, coulda. You know, that's the way it goes. But don't think for a minute we didn't build some great memories, have, a, you know, have a great time.
1: Absolutely. There were yeah. a
0: friends involved with it, too, that, you know, we had been with and, and and stuff, but nothing really happened those days. It was just the elk. I would say this year was probably one of the quietest years we've experienced with the okay. elk, though. All in all. We yeah. had plenty of stuff, plenty of action to still put bulls on the ground and and, and we usually we rely on those because we mm-hmm. don't get 10 and 15 chances to kill 3 or 4. Right. Usually we're getting 4 or 5 to kill those 3. That's usually what we have. And, you know, this year, in twenty nine the last 29 years, either Paul or, or myself have killed a bull. And in most of those years, we both kill bulls. Right. So it, it right. was extremely rare that year number 30 showed nothing was put on the ground and and and, and that's just the way it goes you guys you know oh, absolutely you, yeah. we had a lot of fun and, and 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 used a lot of different sounds and techniques trying to fool these pressured elk and and you know we can't wait till next year <laughs> yep,
1: absolutely. Uh, well,
0: but it was yeah absolutely
1: well sometimes you know sometimes those tags don't get punched and you got you know, all sorts of other reasons for why we get out and do that. And you just got <clears> to <throat> keep keep plugging away and learn what you can and, you know, move on to the next opportunity.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with those setups, you know. And yeah. we know that. And sometimes that little bit of movement can cost us. But, you know, in most situations like that first bull that was missed, most of our situations are like that. They right. come running around something or through something, and there they are. It's hardly do they ever come up at that hundred, hundred twenty-five, and then we see all this. They're coming up, blah, and openings. It's not like that. Usually our setups are much tighter. That when they appear, they're already in range, yep. and 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 a couple of those actually didn't, you know, they didn't work that way. And limbs in the limbs in the in the way don't help. And the twenty-yard shot—that's usually what happens. They come
1: uh-huh. right. We kill them. Right. Right.
0: Yeah, and that well, Paul six point. Paul said, and if, if anybody was wondering, that came through. He said he just had fives and sixes forking right there where he hit the branch yeah. guard yeah. when it went. Yeah, but still, a lot well, of a
1: couple of good things to think about in particular. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, thinking about when you got some people coming in on a rope and and being careful about your movement and and with you know with branches being extra. I mean, if you think they're think they're not in the way and
0: maybe. Yeah.
1: You know, I don't know. It's tough, tough to control all that. You know,
0: at least we have got we didn't hit him, and they wounded him, and Absolutely. these things running around with arrows and him dying somewhere. Oh and, gosh! And so yeah. We're very thankful for that. We're very fortunate that, that didn't happen. But you know, sometimes it, you know it can. But that's why we really try to make sure the windows are open yeah. and clear, and the shot opportunities are are good ones. And and normally they are. Look, I mean, we rarely ever wound anything. I mean, seriously, right. we don't. Right. I mean, we're, we're all on the ground, and so. We're very fortunate this year not to have actually I mean, hit three of them. You know, we really right. are.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I still, ready? I, I totally
0: They're there for us next buddy. Year. Yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> that super
1: close range shot. He just must have had adrenaline off the charts.
0: Oh, he did after he was done. You know, I think that was worth the price of admission. Just yeah. <laughs> that. But yeah, at the same yeah. time, he must have kicked himself a hundred times. Oh, to- yeah.
1: Oh yeah.
0: man, I can't believe that was that would have been the biggest bull I ever killed. Bye bye. Yeah, killed, I think two or three elk in the uh-huh. past. It's just been okay. a, a pretty yeah. dry stretch. But so you guys got into a few elk, huh?
1: We did. Yeah, I so my hunting days are pretty limited. You know, my, my wife had a baby on the first of September. Um,
0: yes, she did. <laughs> and- you know,
1: everyone, yeah, I would say that's, you know, that's terrible planning, I guess, which, I, you know, <laughs> I guess I have to admit to that, but, uh, got a little hunting buddy that will be able to celebrate his birthday on opening weekend in the future. There you so go. That'll be, that'll be fun. Um, so yeah, short-term pain, long-term gain, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> short-term burn. man. <imagine>. Yeah, <laughs> but I did get to, I got out with Ryan, um, you know, on the got game team for a couple of days and yeah. we, we got it out both days. There wasn't a lot of, wasn't a lot of action, um, from the bugling side, but, um, you know, he and I have, uh, we, we've had this happen to us a couple of times where, you know, things have been super slow and, and we're kind of working our way back and just doing a little, little cow calling as we're moving. Um, and I it mainly just try to kind of keep our focus and stay engaged. And, and, uh, every time we've done that, uh, we've, we've, you know, had some elk encounters, but be, it's just tough to, when you're moving and they're moving to time that right. Um, so we, we got into a couple of raghorns um, doing a little, you know, a little moving cold calling sequence, you could say. And, uh, you know, they were a little bit below us and, uh, you know, in a little bit of a, a depression. And so um, we really didn't, weren't able to lay eyes on them until they lay, laid eyes on us. And uh, yeah. once that happens, it just hasn't worked out good for us. Um, but it or was, uh, yeah, yeah. So. That strategy, I think we may, you know, we may put back in the toolbox, <laughs>
0: um, yeah. but
1: it, it does show that that cold calling sequence will bring in elk. You just have to, you got to be set up in a way that you can kill them when it brings them in.
0: Yeah. It, and that's true. You know, and, 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 and one of the things I look back on, on this one is it, it seemed like every elk we decided we can, we can deal with this one that we had him right there. Right. So you know, it wasn't like we were blowing a bunch of them or anything. And like in your situation, you guys, you know, you did your setups. Yeah, maybe we can perfect our setups better, but you still had the elk coming in. You right. know, the opportunities were, were were starting to be there. And now yeah. it's just a matter of polishing some stuff exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. That's all it yeah. really is. It's just elk hunting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So after that, um, you know, I was I was out of the picture for a while, and I think Ryan and his father-in-law Joel. Um, they got out and strung a few days together and, and they were hunting together, but separate. And, and Joel wow. actually had, he had three bowl encounters this year and um, kind of a couple of wind swirling, you know, mess ups. And I think he, he had a, a miss, you know, 50 or 60 yard miss. I think, he'd like to get back, but um, <laughs> he, he, uh, you know, he had some pretty good action symbols that were answering, answering the bugles and he'd been working on Joel had been working on his slow play with the app and, um, was feeling pretty confident in it and, and, and made good use of it. Just things didn't quite line up for him, uh, yeah. you know, to get one on the ground. And, uh, Brian got caught in some of that bad weather and he hunted for a couple of days with our buddy from Utah. And I know they got into elk, but, um, I, you know, just they weren't able to close the deal either. So part of the part of the process.
0: Yeah, the slow play, it's an effective tool. It just has to be on the right elk. It's like me this year. I think I only used it one time, but I've heard people say, oh, I used it a ton of times. And some elk came, most didn't. And I think yeah. people are using it at the wrong time. They're using yeah. it as, as, a, as their go to on any bull. And you can't do that. You know, the slow play is designed for a specific bull. It's designed for that bull that's only going to give one bugle, and it, maybe two. That's it. Right. Anything more than that, it's not designed for him. You need to now tailor your calling to that bull who's more repetitive bugler. So, you know, because I, I I see some of the guys online saying, I use that thing at least 10 times, and I never got blah, blah. You know, because, <laughs> you're, well, I, I mean, look how much I hunt. I only used it once. Right. That's it. One time. And and, right. and and so you have to pick your your spots at the same time. I have about, I would say, close to 30 bulls that people have sent me photos, in, uh, you know, with them and that they use a slow play on. So there's plenty of elk being killed with the slow play. Don't get me wrong. A ton. You just right. have to use it on the right one and and, and not just any bull. And that's why there's different sequences and tactics out there. And especially on these harassed elk, you've got to use something that, you know, they're interested in, not just something you want to force feed them on. And I think that's right. why when you look at we had what, six encounters, we brought five of them in. It's right. because we're tailoring our calling to that bull. And exactly. only one was slow play. That's it. Only one. The other was all cow calls. You see, and it's two of them were all cow calls. And then one was the bugle mixing. I mean, you know, right. it's, it, it depends on what the elk is responding to and what you need to stay with. And, and and that's a very important thing when you're working a bull. That's why we had so few bulls, but we had, what, 85% of them came right into us. Come in, we just didn't kill them.
1: Right. Yeah,
0: that, you know, exactly. that's all it was. Yeah, And, and hopefully we can you know, remedy that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. But it's, no, it's still a great point that if you're not, if you're not taking the temperature of the bull and, and, and understanding, you know what he's saying back to you, you can't yeah. just be cut and dried every time and expect the same thing to work even with the slow play, which is a great tactic.
0: Yeah. You have to read his emotion. Once yeah. you read his emotion and some of them have little to no emotion. So don't mm-hmm. think when I'm saying emotion that this thing's just going crazy. <clears throat> no, not at all. That's the point is some have little emotion, some have no emotion, some have a little bit of emotion. You have to play on that. And, and it, just like I said, it was the 19th before we heard a bull respond to a cow call. Nothing. Right, zero. Right. They could care less. So I, I I stayed away from most of it, but they were answering the bugles. And then as the season went on, it seemed like the cow call was the more powerful sound. But you know, when I'm saying a cow call, I'm referring to a cow sounds, just like right. I'm using a cow using bugle.
1: Some upper level cow sounds. Oh
0: yeah. yeah, I see. I'm just referring to a cow using that sound. And that's why you want to be able to 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 use sounds that that they want to hear, that they are reacting to. If they're not reacting to a specific sound, I'm not going to just keep piling it on. I'm hoping for right. the best. No, right. I, I, I stayed away. That's why I didn't use a bugle in some of those because it's not what they wanted. And exactly. others, you the bugle is what they, they wanted want to hear. So, yep. yes, you're tailoring your calling to the needs or the wants of that bull. And just like the one that came in at 20 yards, it was the bugle that brought him right in, not the cow calls. And, and on the other ones, it was a cow call. So you, you need to know when to mix it up. It wasn't a slow play on any of those. Right. you know so if i would have just went with a slow play they probably would have done the same thing that some of these guys are experiencing and they're not coming in because they don't uh, care so yeah. you have to play on what they're interested in but anyway that's kind of the the wrap up we had you know for yeah. this year well, and i, yeah, I would not like trade it for anything other than just super to kill exciting yeah oh yeah no no but, it it was good paul actually took film on his phone of the guy missing the 17 yard shot. Oh, he got So the, I watched uh, it over and over on the TV. Yeah, we put it on our big screen, even though it's kind of narrow. We, you can hear the shot. There's the bull standing there. And oh man, it's oh just a big Yeah. Well <laughs> But
1: yeah, it's I'd fun. love to love to see it at some point. Yeah, um, Paul has it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, just while while we've got you on the horn here, Paul, I know there are a few folks like me that are that have a late season elk tag in their pocket. Um uh, do you got a couple of quick pointers for guys like us that are trying to get out and get it done as it's getting colder and snowier
0: glassing and follow tracks in the snow because you're really not going to do much calling at this time, right. you know, to attract elk, especially if you're talking late October, November hunts. I'm, right. I don't think it is. Yeah. And I,
1: I think we'll get my son out in early November. And I think he's kind of, you know, just trying to get him his first bull, but I might yeah. you know, hunt, hunt a little later in November. Hope that snow pushes some, some bigger elk down. But,
0: yeah. Well, bulls are still bugling right now. And and yeah. if you have the October 15th, you know, through the 20, 25th, uh, oh, I would definitely never leave the bugle home or the cow call. Right. But you know, for glassing, for sure, in the openings, uh, in the timber, bugle. Bugle for in the timber. I don't care how far away it is. All you're trying to do is give have them give away their position. Love you're trying them. to call them in. Yeah. Yep. And then once you get in the timber, you might be able to use a soft cow call here and there if you can't find them to at least give a little chuckle or groan or growl or just anything if they bugle great but you're just trying to have them give away their position but definitely glassing is humongous as well as 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 your bugle you just have to be very careful with your bugle you know if you're hunting where there's a lot of other hunters you know if you're going to use a bull sound like that it can you know you just got to be careful because you never know guys taking brush shots or something out there. Right,
1: you got to be careful with that. Right? Yeah,
0: and everybody yeah. doesn't yeah. think like we do. You know, they're careful and they make sure of their target. Sometimes guys just get so overzealous about it. They hear an elk sound in the brush and you just never know. It, it yeah. happens. Yeah. So be yeah, careful. So
1: spari- sparingly, do but don't put it totally away if you're hunting elk in October.
0: No, no, I'd use it right now in a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? I'm going to no. locate elk with that bugle, but I'm also going to do glassing. And when I'm glassing, I'm usually referring to binos and a spotting scope because I will glass as far as six miles away where possible, looking way out on ridges and drainages, even off of roads or just elevated points. Sometimes I'll get up, you know, a quarter to half a mile off of roads and I will reach out with that glass with spotters way out there. Because if I can find elk, I got a rifle in my hand. I don't care. I don't need to call into 40 yards. I'm just trying to cut the distance, you know, to to have an opportunity. So that's usually what we will do when we're doing rifle hunts. We're glassing, glassing, glassing. And then we're just calling into the timber, hoping something will give itself away. Not much, not a lot of cow sounds other than the long range ones where I would do that cow bugle. You see, because a lot of times you can get a bull to fire off at that because it has distance to it. But if you're just going to go, at you know, 800 yards away, a bull may not even hear it. So, you want to use more long-range cow sounds, such as a cow bugle, if you're going to do that, where she's asking another elk to come her way. And it can definitely promote a bugle from a bull. And that's all you're trying to do is have them give away their position, the same as your glassing, trying to, to, you know, see something out there that you can now close the distance on. Right. Go set up on and get your shot. Absolutely. Or snow. You know, you're going to follow tracks. You know, you got to be pretty strong will to do that because if you're going to follow tracks in the snow i've done it many times be prepared to go at least two miles before you're you have been the herd for a while oh yeah you're going to dog <laughs> them even if it's a single track i've right. done this many times in the past nothing recently but i've never done it not have to go a minimum of a mile and a half before i finally get on them never wow. they yeah. you, you you go a long ways well usually. they cover
1: so much ground so fast
0: they do so you know you just have to be if it happens in a quarter mile wonderful but don't plan on it you know, be equipped mentally and physically to go a little further than that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's good advice. Well, that's that's awesome. Thanks for sharing uh, your hunting experiences this year, Paul. And and it's been a heck of a time doing this self nut series on the on this podcast. We've. You know, I think this will be our ninth episode, and I know a lot of people have really enjoyed it. We've seen oh, a lot I've, of
0: messages. I've actually had yeah. hundreds, I think, that have mentioned it to me. I mean, a lot of people. So yeah, yeah it, it's been good. Uh, it's and I hope it helps them out. I really do. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to hop back on again soon, and and maybe yep. I can give you a recap of our late elk season, and
0: that'd be and awesome. We can start
1: talking about next year.
0: Sounds good, Taylor.
1: We'll look All forward right. to it. Thanks, thanks, Paul. Have a good night.